0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. I'm going to take a little bit of a pause here to celebrate because this is my 10th episode. Ooh. Yes, 10 episodes. It's pretty exciting, um, especially because it just happened and it started so quickly. I can't believe I'm 10 weeks in, and I cannot think of a better guest to have as a celebration on my 10th episode anniversary Then, um, one of my favorite humans on the planet, Amy Sherminska. She is one of my soul sisters. She is on a healing mission. And there are a thousand other words we could use <laughs> to give her a title and describe the undescribable. but I'm going to leave it there. Welcome, Amy. I'm so glad you're here today.
1: Thank you so much. I don't think I realized it was episode 10. Even though I have been listening, I didn't pay attention to the numbers. So (laughs) I'm feeling pretty fancy.
0: You are very fancy. This is a big deal.
1: (laughs) So Amy
0: and I met. It's almost unbelievable to me that it has been almost a decade. No. Yes. Shut up. No, for real. 2014. You're right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um on the podcast I've talked about sort of the challenging aspects of my career a lot. But there was a moment of my career that was bliss. And that bliss was partially because of you. <laughs> um and that team. So I will never forget that day. So it was the beginning of a team called Program and Innovation. And it was led by a superintendent, Anita Simpson. I'm going to give her a huge shout out because she changed my life in many, many ways. And she had vision around what education could be and what it could look like. And she and a a team of three pretty incredible administrators hired this team of misfits <laughs> I was a beautiful here. collection
1: of misfits.
0: It was the most beautiful collection of misfits. We were all people who uh, I remember having this conversation with um one of our other colleagues, Jamila. She's like it's like all of us who were operating in the dark. they let us out into the light.
1: I don't know how they found us. <laughs> yeah, <I know>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty miraculous because. Mm-hmm. Each person who was hired to be on that team, like we were all so deeply divergent. Yes. And yet completely connected at the same time.
1: Yes. Big personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and together, working together was awesome, but it was challenging because a lot of big personalities, but challenging in the best of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's how I remember that time. I'm glad I got to be around during your... You know, one of your lovely times in education. <laughs> yeah. And let me say before I forget, because I did think about this earlier. I know you've spoken on the podcast before about having stepped away from this structure of education, and mm-hmm. I'm—I mean, I'm out of it a bit right now. But um, you—you're still in it. You're still there because you're with me, and you—you uh-huh. you forever have changed me as an educator. So. Just have to say that because I don't want to forget. Cheers. You're you're gone, but you're not gone. (laughs) You can't be gone.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I said before we started, I'm like, oh God, I'm crying already. (laughs) And if we cry, it's fine. fine. (laughs) It's it's real. And that's what we do here. We are real. Um, One of the biggest lessons. Hang on. I'm going to roll this back again for a second because I still remember the, fo- the first minute I laid eyes on you. Actually, that's how I know the people who, like, stay with me. <laughs> because when I have one of those moments where as soon as I see someone, like, I still have, I can still picture it. We were in that glass room in the mm-hmm. county of Simcoe. We were going around introducing ourselves and you started speaking and you had this voice, right? Just was like, who's that? And you were a secondary science teacher.
1: (laughs) Pretty much your nemesis, actually. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that, too. Um, A secondary science teacher. But you were talking about how much you love your students. That was the very first thing that you said. You said, "Uh, I'm so excited about this opportunity. And at the same time, I'm so sad to be leaving my students. And it was that moment where I was like, this is someone. (laughs) This is a heart connection. And then you started talking about your family and how you enjoyed time outside. And I was like, "Yep, this is it. She's going to be one of my people. Um, And it was true. And then as we worked together over the years, what I learned from you and a couple of others was how to have actual discourse where you love and respect each other. And so you can challenge each other's ideas and disagree in ways that get heated in the moment but the minute that conversation is over, there is like, sh- there is a shared experience that leaves both people changed.
1: Yes. Yes. We had a lot of challenging conversations mm-hmm. um, within our group mm-hmm. and also outside of our group. And yeah. I think that was probably my biggest learning from that time mm-hmm. it was how to have those conversations and uh, to know that. Afterwards can be okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if it was really tricky. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think from the outside, and this looking back, this is one of the things that I wish we had been more explicit about because of the way that team ended up being dissolved. But I think from the outside, people just saw us having fun. (laughs) Which was true. I, like, Anita, God, I got to give her credit for that, right? <laughs> like, work should be joyful. Yeah. That is what she taught us. And that lesson stayed with me. Yes. Um, So people saw us being joyful and loving the work. And I don't know how many people have come to me and said, like, I wanted to be on the central team because I saw the way your team was together. But that level of joyfulness is only available with a deep level of truth.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And that I think is part of what was missing from that conversation about why that team worked so well.
1: Mm -hmm. We, I think we had that um, level of understanding and truth within the team, Mm -hmm. but I think you've pointed something out that's important and That is that from the outside, Mm -hmm. not understanding how hard we worked and how hard we worked on our community. Mm -hmm. It sometimes probably looked like we were just goofing around.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we weren't. There was never. (laughs) I mean, we had fun. Yes, we did. <laughs> we had a great time, but when and but it was
1: long hours working on hard stuff together. Yeah, we did. Long hours having important conversations with other educators and administrators. Mm-hmm. Um and it so it was hard work and we needed to have a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was deeply heart-centered work and I loved I did love that we could show that working should be joyful. Yes. Learning should be mm-hmm. joyful. It should be fun. It should be exciting. And one of the things I think that is missing from our time right now, because you know, as we're talking, like I said at the beginning, it's almost a decade ago.
1: I still don't believe you. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, we'll have to have a Pit Ten reunion. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, just float that out to the universe yes. right now. For How'd you, hear us, bit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll send out the bad signal. Um, but one of the things I feel is really deeply missing from our time now is that purposeful building of community,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and COVID did a lot to erode that. But I feel like there was some erosion happen- happening to that even before,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think, mm-hmm. um. It's not only in education, but in other places. Um, The last few years have changed workplace culture quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And and that's, you know, no one's fault, really, because no one knew ahead of time or had training and knew how to navigate the pandemic. Um, But everything has felt fairly frantic since then. Mm -hmm. There's zero slowdown time it's like you know you're on the train every day all week long all month long all school year long and there's not as much time for connection as there once was Mm -hmm. but that makes me sound old because now i'm like in the old days (laughs) (laughs) but but that's how i feel and mm -hmm. and i i i I don't think it's just because you know it's been a few years and i'm looking back um I I truly feel like it's the days have become something that are less in our control than ever before. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, there's been a marked shift in culture and we can you and I can talk about it from the education perspective and what we see professionally and with our own children. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think anyone who was in a profession who was a helping profession and And even outside of that, because my cat and my partner is not an educator, mm-hmm. and he also can talk about the difference in culture that happens in the workplace now than did before. So although we're speaking about it from one context, I think it's really relatable across across all sectors.
1: I think so too.
0: Mm-hmm. And in many ways, we're seeing that play out with our kids.
1: Oh, yes. oh yes, very aware. Yeah
0: yeah they just don't have the same opportunities to really be together in that way like I think when I go, going back to the beginning of our conversation like those abilities to be to be together to disagree to like sure. all those things we used to foster in our classroom communities
1: right and well then, and things like institutional memory are important so mm-hmm. in the past you know, a school would have a certain culture. There might be certain clubs that meet at certain times or certain spaces in the school where students would gather. And a lot of that gathering wasn't happening for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was totally against the rules. Yeah, and the uh, those habits or that culture was lost. And so the f- the things that would be passed down that were part of school culture it would be passed down from year to year. Mm-hmm. Um, the leaders in the building, the oldest students in the building, didn't know what those things were, mm-hmm. right? So, so schools are kind of starting from scratch in a lot of ways when it comes to, you know, how to be socially. Like, what do we look like as a community? What do you do at lunchtime after you eat your lunch? A simple right. thing like that, right? Yeah. Where do I stand? Mm-hmm. Should I? Should I sit here? Am I allowed to go there? Like, what's okay? Yeah. And uh, there's a, you know, as teachers, we've been doing a lot of explicit teaching around like hey how about a bunch of you come on sit down over here and play some cards or something silly like that right just to um try and get some of that togetherness back
0: yeah and i would Mm -hmm. also project that out i think adults also need that yes because what we see in schools is also being echoed in the adult population And at the beginning, we were talking about you being on a healing journey. Yes. Yeah. None of this is disconnected from that. (laughs) When you said the word gather, I was like gather has such healing properties. The word gather has healing properties. It has healing energy. And so that brought me back to your healing journey. So my friend, tell me your story. (laughs) What has brought you here to this moment today?
1: Okay, so um, I'm 46, just we're, we're both 77 babies. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we are. And I just turned 46. But about a year ago, I was struggling with I was thinking about this last night on the dog walk because it happened on a dog walk. Mm-hmm. I was struggling with telling my husband that I had a lump in my breast. And I think that day, which you know we're coming up on I don't I don't remember I don't remember the anniversary of it and I'm glad mm-hmm. it was a Wednesday yeah so I'm not not sure not sure exactly but um, that was the first day of um, sort of a new phase of my life and it would it that day for me represents like, like a hard reset, like, you know, where you unplug the computer and you plug it back in again and Uh (laughs) you're starting from scratch. Um, it was sort of a, I was violently removed from my regular daily life and I became a cancer patient and I'm still sort of on that mission. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I came here, came here from the hospital today, still having some treatments, but all of my big treatments are finished. And I'm just at the phase of my healing where I'm starting to not call myself a cancer patient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they don't declare you healed. You know, no one's going to come to me and say, hey, like you're in remission. I'll have a scan in the spring and someone will say, we don't see any cancer or they'll say, Hey, we see some cancer. Like that's going to be my reality for a while. Uh-huh. Um, so it's hard to label myself as someone who has uh, survived cancer, but I'm starting to adopt that definition for myself, even though I'm not going to hear it because I think I'm at the stage where it's important to not think of myself as a sick person. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> because it's been, it's been a long go.
0: Yeah. 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 So yeah.
1: that's, that's where I am. So yeah, I'm a high school science teacher. I have two teenage daughters who are wonderful. Um, we sort of, I don't know, you've got your two boys. I've got my two girls. They're the mm-hmm. same ages. I've got like you, a lovely supportive partner and um, life was pretty good. Super busy. All of the things that you've been talking about in your podcast, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. We lose ourselves a little bit and what has happened to me, it was really like a forced reset because suddenly nothing else mattered except looking after myself. And that's not something we're very good at doing. And so to be forced to do it, I mean, there's a little bit of silver lining there mm-hmm. right? because base, my my last year has been, okay, in order for you to be well, you're going to do this and then you're going to do this and you're going to do this and I'm keep following my instructions um I'm a little more on my own now since I'm out of the you know the biggest treatments but that's still my mission mm-hmm. so I get up in the morning and I'm I'm in the phase of post-cancer treatment where I'm like let's eat all the vegetables and yeah we're gonna go for lots of walks and work out and and be as healthy as possible because that's the most important thing
0: right mm-hmm. now yeah Watching you do this journey. I have been, I can't think of the right word. You know, all of those words like astounded come up come to mind, but it's not really that because I'm not surprised, right? With the word astounded, there's this like notion of surprise. I'm not surprised at the way you have navigated this journey because I because of here we go. <laughs> because of the human being that I know you to be in that you have done this with heart. You have led this entire journey with your heart and your beautiful scientific brain.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, that has been a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Like being uh, someone who has a science education has been a big thing for me Mm -hmm. and i mean heart's a big thing we were just talking about heart in our work Mm -hmm. and and, like why can't work be a joyful place my classroom i aim for my classroom to be a joyful place um the cancer wing of the hospital is not necessarily thought of as a joyful place Mm -hmm. however it is a place that is full of amazing humans and there are moments of joy. And I won't say I've been accused, that's the wrong word. Um, But people close to me will say, Are you sure you're all right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're laughing, or you made a joke, or you seem to be focusing on you only tell us good stuff. And we're worried that you're hiding bad,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, I haven't been no I have, I, it's not hidden. I just, it's like, yes, I have cancer and it sucks. And also Mm -hmm. did you see that sunrise this morning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Or can I tell you how amazing my radio radiation oncologist is? Like, you know, can I tell you some good things? And um, that's, thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. it's that, I think I talked about this last week, right? Multiple things are true at the same time. And we don't have to just recognize one or the other, right? Like you, there were moments where we were walking and you were telling all the shitty things (laughs) (laughs) that were happening. And I was glad you didn't feel like you had to say, and also in those moments, but there were, but there were also times where you were like yeah this is really cool like I that conversation we had about you going into radiation where you were talking about like did you know that my treatment plan has to go to a physicist (laughs) it's like no I had no idea that's fascinating
1: it was yeah it's great yeah yep yeah that was that was good that was good for me Mm -hmm. oh boy I I mentioned the beginning of this for me has happened on that dog walk.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: definitely, there's been a lot of walks mm-hmm.
0: this
1: year, more walks than usual mm-hmm. since I haven't been at work. And when I even just thinking about walking brings up a lot, because a lot mm. of hard thinking and a lot of great supportive conversations and hard conversations have happened on walks this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I'm so grateful to have that time.
0: Mhm. And again, it's that duality, right? <laughs> Where the walk is both healing and it now also has another, it has another element to it. Yes. Yeah. That changes and shifts the way we see things. Has there been a particular shift that has really altered or mm, evolved the way you see your life going forward?
1: Oh, sure. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, I've been having a lot of thoughts lately about going back to work. And thoughts, you can't separate the thought of going back to work from the fact that there is a chance that my cancer will come back. And Mm -hmm. so I have these conversations with myself now because at the beginning of this, I was like, I'm going to get all better and I'm going to go back to work. And now I'm like, if I go back to work and I spend a couple of years working my butt off and then cancer comes back, like, will I have been happy about that choice. Mm -hmm. And that's a great I mean, maybe the answer is yes. And maybe that's what I will be happiest doing. Um, But certainly looking forward, everything I think about going forward in the future is now through this window where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't it wonderful? I'm still here. Let's make the best of it. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. sort of, you know, so am, am I, am I making the most of, you know, having my health um, and I'm sure that will fade with time. It's mm-hmm. very fresh right now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Like these are the things that happen on my walks right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm thinking a lot all the time. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a before and after. And mm-hmm. so right now the shift is like, so from 46 years old forward, is anything different? Does it have to be different? And mm-hmm. I'm asking these questions all the time.
0: Yeah. And it can be different without being different mm-hmm. at the same time. Because at the same time as going through this major before and after moment, right? We all have before and after moments, mine's when my mom died, like life before that and life after that. And it's two very marked different periods of time, but there are still so many threads running between them because even though there's a before and an after, there's also the through line of what stays the same. And so, there were still shifts that were happening in you before, like, in the before time.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so, in the context of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, I, all of the things that you have been talking about with your other guests, I would have been, yes, 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 had this not happened to me. But now mm-hmm. it's like, it's even more because... Um, I've, I've been thrust into that midlife in a way that's a little bit different, like Mm -hmm. the the body changes and stuff. And I, um, it has, or my thoughts about the future, I wasn't having as many thoughts about things like my kids growing up and leaving, Mm -hmm. but now, um, all of those things seem bigger and closer. Um, particularly because I have time to think about mm-hmm. think about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe, and I feel like it's timely in a way, which is a stupid thing maybe to say about being sick, but like, <laughs> it's not I mean, It's like th- this isn't, I, things were going to be changing in my life anyway. So I really value, we are so lucky mm-hmm. in this profession we have. Like, I'm so lucky to be able to take time off to get mm. well mm-hmm. before I head back. I'm really fortunate to be in a situation where financially I'm not suffering by doing that. And I don't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a am having this reset I get to choose my own adventure, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So whatever, whatever I need to do, I've got time to do it. And isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. It's, It's good.
0: It is good. I think one of the things that I also have learned from you is your ability to stay present. And although we have, we've been talking a lot about, like, maybe that was a flaw in my question that I asked you about what comes next, because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to do that, to always be like, "What's the next step? What's the next thing?" Um, but in my description of you, I talked about you being one of the most grounded people I know, and the way I experience that with you is your ability to stay in this moment.
1: That's interesting to me. I I, I do have a special talent for just sitting down and knitting. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and I mean, admire it. I have, I, I think those things are connected. Like I, um, I treasure quiet sitting time, and always mm-hmm. have. Um, it means some days I get a lot less done around the house than I wanted to, or, or what have you. But um, it, sitting down and making something is a very it's an activity where you are in the moment doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it gives you some think time too, perhaps, but um, I think that's probably maybe where that special talent comes from. Mm -hmm. My whole family's pretty good at sitting down and reading a book or what have you. So
0: It's one of those things that makes you wonder, right? Like in your story, the things that were presented earlier in your life to give you the skills that you would need. Right, your ability to stop and to be in the moment and create something out of nothing from my like from this vantage point looks like practice (laughs) for this moment,
1: sure. Um, I agree with you, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, when I think about my days right now, that quiet time is important, but then I have. I have new habits mm-hmm. that didn't come from my childhood. That come more from around the time I turned forty, and you took me out running.
0: <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, so
1: my newer, the newer habits in my life around movement are just as important as mm-hmm. some of mm-hmm. my older ones. So, uh, I think all through our lives, if we're wa- if we're looking for it, we can find the people. We're going to encourage us to try something new or, you know, you pick up habits from your family, but you also pick them up from your friends. Mm -hmm. So thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for running with me in the depths of winter, (laughs) in the dark for months at a time. Yeah, so those sleet and snow and dark <laughs> running nights. Long, long <laughs> nights. Um, they were really hard.
1: Yeah. But it was so awesome. Yes. It but was, <laughs> there was nothing better than making it back to Mech in one piece. And yeah. Stretching those muscles and heading home and jumping in the shower and defrosting and. Um, it was, it was pretty fantastic. So Mm -hmm. what this was around the time I turned 40, it was January Mm -hmm. of that year. And it was a 10k running clinic. And I had never run more than maybe 5k if I was lucky in my life. So it was a good challenge. Mm -hmm. It was fun.
0: It was fun there's nothing more satisfying really than doing something that's really, really fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. And a Tuesday or maybe it was Wednesdays also Tuesday or Wednesday nights, we would meet in the dark, in the cold. And it was, it was challenging, but that is where you meet your body.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And then you feel invincible when you can do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: That was the the best part. And that, I ran a half marathon later that year haven't done a crazy thing like that <laughs> but it um yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing.
0: It is an amazing thing, and we have had many conversations about the physical body, right? Like, our conversation up till now has mm-hmm. really been about heart and the emotional body, and that emotional body lives in this miraculous container mm-hmm. of cells and all of the things that... <laughs> You are so passionate about, which I love. Um, And often as women, we're so disconnected, right? We have, it's like we have our our brain, our intellectual body, our emotional body, and this physical body is almost like an afterthought or something that we want to be disconnected from.
1: That's because we're too busy being train conductors and, Mm. you know, so Mm -hmm. we're... We're organizing and herding and feeding and loving and doing all of the things for the people, and uh, I think sometimes we don't we don't listen to our bodies, maybe, but or even if we do, we don't usually share with other people what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Like a, yeah, we're less likely. Maybe than our partners mm-hmm. to say if we have an ache or a pain. <laughs> <laughs> like <Yeah>. Just maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm not generalizing. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And talking about our physical bodies is so hard because the narrative has been been written for us in so many ways, right? What we should look like, what we should aspire to be, what we should not talk about. (laughs) And then when we do talk about our bodies, there's so much shame (laughs) around everything.
1: Yeah, that could be a thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, We are part of a community of women who work out together, sweat together, not physically together digitally <laughs> apart and yet share our sweat stories with each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And at the beginning of that community, we did a lot of work around how, how we talk about our bodies, what the intention behind that movement is. Yes. And I think that's a really important conversation that we are not having enough.
1: Yep. And I- I think my thoughts on that have changed over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Like certainly I remember being young, you know, in the eighties mm-hmm. and my mother, maybe with big hair going to like work out heart fit. Oh yeah. Heart member heart fit. Yeah.
0: And curves.
1: And, <laughs> and uh, And working out was definitely about, like, losing weight Mm -hmm. and being skinny. Um, I was not much of an athlete. I did a little bit of working out maybe as a teenager. Um, A little bit of intramural stuff in university kind of for fun. And um, if I was thinking, oh, man, like, I could stand to lose a few pounds, then I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll start going for runs and it was mm-hmm. always always that was kind of the motivation and I, I mean i guess the motivation was to be healthy but those maybe weren't the words i was using mm-hmm. right
0: yeah those <laughs> were not the words that we had in our yeah. lexicon that's for sure i also was not an athlete at all <laughs> um i was a ballet dancer however oh yeah i did not know that fact. Mm-hmm for a long time. And being in this body, because I'm very tall, I am 5'10 almost, and I'm not a small human being. So be and I've been in this body since I was 11. So I've been this tall since I was in grade six. So you can imagine being Yeah, (laughs) being in a row of ballet dancers. (laughs) And then there was me. (laughs) And I haven't actually thought about this in a long time, but the way that that formed my sense of needing to be small.
1: That's really interesting, Lisa. Yeah. If we just cracked something there.
0: We did just crack something. I haven't <laughs> thought about it in that way ever, I don't think. But that was the first place that really told me I was too much. Too much. I was too much. I was too tall. I was too everything. And I always stood out. And in when you're doing a ballet number, the point is not to stand out. <laughs> it's for everyone to be sort of uniform. That's why everybody has their hair back in the same way and everybody wears the same thing. So that there is an aesthetic cohesion that I could never be part of.
1: That must have been weird.
0: It was really, yeah. It was very strange, and that happened many in many iterations throughout my childhood until people started to catch up to my height.
1: Right,
0: but that imprint of needing to be of, of needing to have a body that should be smaller was written really early because I did not write that narrative at all. That was something that was written for me, but it became my story. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that mm. shift to needing to be really intentional intentional about how we talked about bodies, clearly the roots of that were laid for me really early on. And the health element is also really complicated, yes, like we know, and there's so much research. it's a fast it's a fascinating time to be hearing about the importance of physical movement and activity. We know that um the endorphins have the same impact as an antidepressant. When you work out mm-hmm. on a regular basis, that resistance training is one of the most effective things that you can do for your body. And you and I have had conversations about um, be, you being able to go move through this treatment because you're in a place
1: yes. of health. Yes, I wrote about that a bit. It, I, I believe that the running we did and the movement that I continued to do as part of our workout community that was so lovingly created, and it was with love, Mm -hmm. and we feel it all the time, Um, I think it prepared my body for what it went through last year. And if I hadn't had some sort of fitness foundation, I think um, side effects and things could have been much worse. I was able to continue walking through my treatment. I only missed a couple of days all year. And that walking, it was important for my thinking, but mm-hmm. super important for my body to keep moving. Um, so I, I am grateful for that. And right now, physical activity is one of my mo- most important medicines. Mm hmm right? So side effects from my medication right now, are medications, I've got, you know, risk of osteoporosis, I've got joint pain, I depression. Um, it's a really strange, and not super awesome list. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go down the list, it like it's pretty clear physical activity is a bomb for most of the things on it. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly, I'm about a month into getting back to working out. And it has done a wonders for my joints and my mood. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I ha- what it would have been like to seek out a new exercise habit just having finished cancer treatment Mm -hmm. if I didn't already know what that felt like or what it would be like. Mm -hmm. I think I would have been sort of at a loss for how to start or what kind of movement I wanted to do. And, and having done some working out, I was like, okay, I need to find, you know, a kind of program that looks like this. I want to do some, some weight bearing exercises, need a little bit of cardio, definitely want mobility. And to just the fact that I know those words Mm -hmm. (laughs) right yeah like like five years ago I would have been like I don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so I felt like I I was you know educated enough to make some good decisions around that and that's that's a wonderful thing
0: it is a wonderful thing and the conversation remains fraught (laughs) it's the best word I can think of because even though we we know all of the benefits. There's so many narratives to look through and so many lenses. Like, we know the scientific fact is this, and that scientific rap fact is wrapped by a thousand different patriarchal <laughs> constructs. Sure. Which really is at the heart of what makes any conversation around body movement exercise, all of those things are wrapped up in this notion of what it means, right? Like we talked a lot about not, the intention was not to actively change our bodies, but it was to love them enough to give them the medicine they needed. Yes. And that's not a conversation that is happening that I don't, I don't think that conversation is pervasive.
1: I don't think so either. I think, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, right now exercise is medicine for me. I feel like I can't not do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You get to that point. I, I do right now feel like I don't have a choice because I know it will make me feel good and mm-hmm. it's one of the only things i have control over um, going forward that reduces my risk of recurrence so i'm kind of strapped in mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> to having to do that and and last year before um you know before my diagnosis i had fallen off the workout wagon and th- there was definitely guilt associated with that. Mm-hmm. Like certainly every single day I thought, "Oh man, yeah, not gonna do it today, but mm-hmm. uh, one day soon and then and, and and it was um, it, that didn't that feeling isn't what prevented me from going back and doing it. Um, but every day I was sort of wrestling with the feeling that I should, yeah, right. and mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, it is what it is it's a very good habit to have mm-hmm. um it's not maybe great if you feel like you don't have a choice like i may perhaps movements less joyful if you know that you really really need to do mm-hmm. it
0: yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> and all um, of that um work that you have done around that intention in taking care of your body you are now taking and applying to advocacy going forward because i know that there were some not so joyful moments in the treatment (laughs) process
1: sure so um i have an estrogen positive uh cancer had had because it's gone um, and because my tumor cells, uh, feed on estrogen, part of my treatment starting in December when radiation was finished, um, is that I have been launched into menopause, which I real I was in already. So my, mm-hmm. my chemotherapy treatments had um, put my ovaries to sleep. They were already getting a little cranky. Yeah. I, I I had already, I was already in my, my perimenopause time. Mm -hmm. Um, but the nature of my diagnosis means, um, I'm on medication to keep my ovaries asleep. And I also am on, um, a medication that's a, it's called an aromatase inhibitor. And so even in other parts of my body that make estrogen, because you can make estrogen in your fat cells and all kinds of different places. Um, the pill that I take every day, eliminates my body's ability to make any estrogen at all. So where if you go into menopause, and your ovaries go to sleep, you're still, mm-hmm. you've still got some estrogen floating around, I am estrogen free. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. And so that, um, the advocacy part, uh, I got pretty fired up Mm a month ago because, uh, I knew, um, some things about menopause, but mostly just the things that everybody knows, like you're going to maybe have hot flashes and, Maybe be a little crazy, you know. Like mm-hmm. people make jokes about people being moody when they're menopausal, mm-hmm. um, or maybe sleep troubles. I had heard about, um, but I didn't know all of the things. And although there was some conversation about side effects, my my oncologist he's lovely. Mm-hmm. He's younger than me. Yeah. And he's a bit of a firecracker. Like he's he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no way he was going to say, and you're going to have a dry vagina and you may not be able to have sex. (laughs) Right, right. Those words were not going to come out of his mouth. Yeah, I maybe he's not the one that should be delivering that information. But I'll tell you, it would have been really nice if mm-hmm. someone had said, hey, by the way, yeah, um, <laughs> in case maybe since you've had cancer, you haven't had sex in several months and you're thinking about doing that sometime soon, you yeah. might want to know this fact. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that in the cancer center, we have some great resources. There's every month they have um, an evening class that has some catchy name about down there, down there is in the title. Okay, it's, it's about those changes that happen because of menopause. And they give information about um, pelvic floor and urinary changes and vaginal changes. And no one told me about it. Mm-hmm. I would have so gone to that before I started the menopause medicine if I knew that it existed. Yeah. And so my question for people was why and there are pamphlets about these symptoms also with great information on them about what to do if you experience them, Mm -hmm. but nobody gave them to me. It was all up to me. So, so, you know, I found, find myself early in the new year just researching my brains out Mm -hmm. and it's been awesome because I love doing research and I have a pretty good bullshit detector. So I'm Mm -hmm. happy to do my own research, Um, but I've been consuming books and podcasts and you know, reading online, um, and learning all of the things that I need to do to look after myself now. And why, why did someone not point me in the Mm -hmm. right, at least point me in the right direction? Well,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. earlier on when you were talking, you talked about like women's symptoms around things often are (laughs) punchlines.
1: Yes. We joke about it. Yes. We joke about like cranky aunt so-and-so who's menopausal. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: It becomes our (laughs) health becomes a punchline Mm. for all kinds of different scenarios. And that devalues the actual lived experience of what it's like to work, to work your way through that. Like so often menopause, the symptoms of menopause, nobody talks about, or it's just like, well, you'll get through it and then you'll get on the other side. But that takes us back to our conversation from earlier about like, but, but I'm living right now. Yes. And why do I have to wait to experience joy and a moist vagina (laughs) until I've made it to the other side? Yes. And yeah. And that is what I think is remarkable about the work that you're doing right now is bringing that forward.
1: It's, you can call it work. Really. I'm just talking to everyone that I see. Yeah. Menopause. So if that's work, then yes, I'm working. It is. It's a, it's a necessary work. People, even outside of my cancer context, the women I've spoken to since I started on this mission of talking about menopause who weren't aware of some of the symptoms that they were currently experiencing. They were not aware that they could be caused by hormone changes. And I'm the Mm -hmm. one now educating them on that or starting a conversation with them on that. And then they're connecting dots between different symptoms that they're having. I don't understand why me the six week six (laughs) weeks into my menopause why i I should not be the one right i mean i am i am but you are you're the right
0: person menopause prophet yeah
1: um i they've been great conversations Mm -hmm. and i feel like they should we should have them more i mean interestingly you know as educators work isn't always the best place to be talking about things like that. Yeah. because <laughs> Maybe, maybe you have an audience around the corner. that You, yeah. you don't want, um, however, like, Only- so, so something like, I mean, I, based on things that I know, there's the shelf at the grocery store with all of the products that they market towards people mm-hmm. and they're, vulvas and vaginas and in my mind all of that stuff is garbage because I was kind of you know I've been educated that like you don't need any of that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it turns out there's a couple things that are really important that you told me were important yeah right Mm -hmm. And, and I don't I don't know I don't blame any person or any group of people for that but I don't understand I don't understand why, in my case at least, where I was being put into menopause, like even in that situation Mm -hmm. where they were causing it, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had the support that I needed to Mm -hmm. deal with my symptoms.
0: Well interestingly, you just said, you know, like being educators, having these conversations in a school isn't really the best place. But <laughs> I that's the that's where it needs to start. Sure. right? I, I just really no, like in the context of are meeting. About yes. About but, <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, we're talking we're we're being yes. very respectful about appropriateness. Yes, yes. But totally. having it be part of a course where like women's bodies are actually talked about because otherwise that cycle of male bodies being more important, more powerful, all of those things continues.
1: Yes. And there are people who, who have menopause symptoms that make it so they are not able to work. Yeah. Because they can't sleep or because of mental health concerns or, just unmanageable hot flashes or Mm -hmm. usually it's all of those things at once and I mean I'm trying to imagine how some people would even start a conversation about that with their their boss if it's if it's if they don't feel that it's someone that's not going to just make a joke about them getting a fan for their desk. or Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It makes me think about why it's so important to have experts in school buildings, right? Like every school building should have a sexual health expert. Oh, yes. So that these conversations start happening. Like imagine how powerful it would be for young women. Because even when it comes to like menstruation and cycles and pregnancy, we get the like Thinnest possible explanation. Yeah. Because we're expecting educators to be all things. And not everyone is comfortable doing mm-hmm. that work. And that's okay. Everybody doesn't have to be comfortable, but we need to make space for the people who are so that we can start raising women who are grounded and embodied because they actually understand their bodies imagine the power of like a 16 year old knowing, because it's like, yeah, these are the cycles that your body will go through. And then there's menopause period.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's what I learned in school. Yes. Then your period stop. And I was like, sounds great.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward (laughs) to when that happens, but there's no understanding of what that really, of what that really means. It
1: also, it gets pathologized, right? Yes. So so menopause gets talked about as a, a deficiency of hormones mm-hmm. and the only way to fix it is to replace those hormones. And I mean, that's I hormone replacement therapy is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and people who need it, they need, need it. it. Yes. Um, but this is not, we're not broken. No, <laughs> we're not broken. It's we're not like not we got broken. all old and worn out and we're not, <laughs> we don't have half of our lives still in front of us. Right? Yes. Like this is the, we spent the biggest chunk of our lives in menopause mm-hmm. yeah
0: absolutely <laughs> right yes we have,
1: we have you know our uh pre-pubescent time and mm-hmm. we have, you know our years of puberty and then we are like in i don't know baby making shape for a while but then mm-hmm. we have decades yes where we're done
0: yeah And it's that, again, Mm -hmm. we are celebrated in that time where we are Mm baby-making, right? When we are young and then when we are baby-making and then the story ends. (laughs) But that's where the story begins. And it makes me also think about the importance of rites of passage, which when we go back to that very beginning, the very beginning of our conversation where we're talking about community and how we show up for each other and how that piece is missing, This is really an incredible time to start reintroducing those rites of passage. And I think you, my friend, are on the front lines of the menopause revolution and rites of passage, where this becomes a badass time in your life. And we celebrate the shit out of menopause.
1: It is. So I love in the reading that I've been doing. um, So, I mean, there's a hundred a hundred things I want to read. Um, but the menopause manifesto, um, Mm -hmm. is fantastic. And one of the things that gets discussed in there is the value of a woman later in her life, like grandmothers are important, Mm -hmm. but, and I mean, so aunties and grandmothers in a community, um, perform a really important role, but that has changed. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, uh, um, you know, throughout history, the role of a woman who is older is maybe not what it once was. Right? Or, yeah. Or it's it, it just doesn't, it doesn't look the same. There are the value is maybe a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to make sure we figure out for each of us, mm-hmm. you know, what, who am I now? And what is my role? And yes. like, what is my value? And maybe it's more up to us to define it, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, being part of, uh hunting and gathering and looking after babies in the yes. community um, it can be whatever we want it to be um, but it's it's valuable
0: it is valuable I think we're going to have to do a part two my friend <laughs> yeah. and what I'm going to say is we will put links to the resources that Amy talked about in the um, show notes so make sure you check those out and this is the fastest hour ever <laughs> Week. <laughs> <laughs> but um i value you
1: i value you too always it's been a pleasure i love you
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. It means so much to me that you give space for these conversations and these stories in your life. That's the goal of this podcast is to build heart and soul and thinking connections. And I can't share how grateful I am to you for giving time for this. Please rate review, share this podcast It means so much to me when I hear back from listeners. Uh, If you scroll down in the description, you'll see a spot where you can send in uh, voice notes. You can also message me directly on my Facebook page or on Instagram. Your thoughts mean so much to me, and I'm so grateful when you share them. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the Lean In community. Lots of love.
1: This my,
0: dad. my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels
1: again with the big
0: home. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get
1: your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric ass.